Well, you and you know, the guy, the FBI guy, I was like, gosh, I know this guy. How do I know this guy? It was driving me crazy. And it wasn't until I looked it up later on IMDb that he's, I, I've seen The Hunt for Red October a gazillion times when we talk about it on the podcast. I'm like, that's the guy from The Hunt for Red October. Okay. I feel, yeah. you know, you have to like look things like, up like this to settle yeah. yourself. I don't know yeah. what we did before the internet, but yes. yes. It's it was, so funny, like how we associate actors with what other things we've seen them in. Right. You know, oh, yeah. like I'm sure we, you know, you all do that too, you know, and it's just like, and it's almost like sometimes you do it with your friends or if you're watching someone like with a partner or somebody and you're like, try to, you know, guess it first or like point it out first or whatever. Like it's a competition. Like yeah. you see more movies <laughs> sure. than they have. For sure. We don't ever do that. No, not at all. We don't ever have to completely rewind the movie to watch whatever it was. No. And I'll also make the declaration. We've seen him. We've seen him. What has he been in? We saw him just last week. What did we see him in? Josh and I do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Amy and I do that constantly. We're trying to just be like oh that's it we got it yeah. <laughs> that's that's all we do is watch shows just till we see who we can see who we recognize <laughs> right. right well and it is, does make you feel good if you can name it without looking it up because then yeah. you're like really? oh i really gotta get the satisfaction yeah. from this that's it welcome to the deep the discussing movie podcast every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss all the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate right along with us I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined by Christine Deacon. Hello. Josh Dean. Hi there. Alicia Walker. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hi. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And today we are going to be discussing the friends of Eddie Coyle. Uh, after his last crime has him looking at a long prison sentence for repeat offenses. Let me try that again. After his last crime has him looking at a long prison sentence for repeat offenses, a low-level Boston gangster decides to snitch on his friends to avoid jail time. This was Josh's suggestion. We're going to talk first about our recommendations. Uh, Christine, what did you recommend this week? So I watched uh, the first three episodes that are out right now of Showtime's Yellow Jackets about the girls soccer team that was going to nationals and their plane crashed and they uh, had to resort to uh, some crazy things out in the wilderness in order to survive Uh, and it's kind of dealing with that in their later lives Uh, but they made a pact while they were out there uh, not to tell anybody what happened. Uh, and then now somebody is sending them messages trying to get them to come forward and talk. And they don't know who yet. And it's just getting started. I'm really interested. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, it has like Christina Ricci, Melanie Linsky. Uh, so I'm excited to see how that plays out so i have a question about that is what is it with plane crashes with soccer teams wasn't there like a famous plane crash of a men's soccer team in like the andes and there was cannibalism and all that stuff yeah there's a movie about it called alive yeah is it or that just a curse on on soccer teams on planes like what's going on it gets real crazy real fast Well, so soccer teams fly around a lot uh, okay. Because, you know, like within, well, <laughs> so like in South America. So do business travelers, I mean, you know. Yeah. 
but but okay. so, so soccer teams tend to have like a high propensity for um, flying around, particularly in South American countries, um, because there's a lot of those countries and they're separated by big geographic land masses like mountains. And so they end up with private planes because they don't want to spend the money that business travelers are, are paying. And they end up with pilots that are too asleep or too drunk or can't handle the weather conditions. And, uh, and yeah, that, that can lead to, to plane crashes. Gotcha. This is, is this fictional? His no objections is. I should yeah. have started with that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and right. Alive is a fictionalized version of that same right. type of story. Sure. But and yeah. does the Dharma Initiative figure in anyway? Oh, yes. Good question. Absolutely. No, not good in this question. one. No polar Damn. bears in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, no smoke uh, monsters. The the Donner Party on a plane idea is is based on uh, based on some real things that happened. Um. So. Uh, Zach, how about you? Yeah, my recommendation for this week is going to be the new Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. I saw that at AMC uh, in the uh, theater. And um, uh, this is a reboot. Uh, this has nothing to do with the Mila Jovic franchised uh, Resident Evils that came out throughout the 2000 aughts. Um, I played the video games a lot when I was a kid. I started off with one, played through two, three. Um, and then, uh, lost my way with video gaming, but nonetheless, those were three of my favorite video games from when I was a kid. And I think that the previous set of films started off okay, but then just took a hard left turn and I don't know what happened and I lost interest. I lost faith. I just couldn't do it. Um, I think maybe cause Mila Jovich's husband was also like the producer. And so like, he just did whatever the fuck he wanted, but <laughs> nonetheless, yeah. I don't think everybody's going to like this version of it. Uh, but I loved it. I thought it was much truer to the story of the games than what we got from the other films. Um, we see some very iconic Resident Evil places and moments from both Resident Evil 1 and, and Resident Evil 2. And um, they incorporated many more of the characters from the story, which was awesome. Uh, and it just, it was fun. It was a little cheesy. It was a little campy. Um, but, you know, like... I think at this point, they've already had a run of what had happened with Resident Evil. They're like, screw it. Let's just try to go back and try again, which is almost like very video game-esque to me because it's like, well, that's what you do with video games sometimes. You start them over so you can do them differently. Um, and I just I just had a lot of fun with it, had no expectations going in and came out tickled and very happy. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that it's not uh, another freaking continuation of the Milojevovich one. Um, but I, I have to send you a video of uh, the guys from Red Letter Media were doing a, whatever the latest one that had come out at that time, they were doing like a review of it. Mm -hmm. And they hadn't really kept up with the series at all. I think they'd like maybe seen one of them before, but between sure. the three of them, they had not even close to seeing them all. So they decided that before they went and saw it, they would just marathon every one of them up until that <laughs> point. And there's a video of them watching the end of the action scene at the end of the marathon. 
and they are slap happy and they just lose their mind. It's just like <laughs> three guys laughing their asses off while the last few minutes of Resident Evil play. Um, and it's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever seen. Uh, that's crazy. That's so fun. Uh, Nathan, how about you? Yeah, so this is the part where a good editor would uh, cue in a clip of Carly Simon singing um, because I'm going to talk about Working Girl, um, which I had actually never seen. I think I thought I had seen it, um, but hadn't. Uh, we had it on Blu-ray because my my lovely bride owned it before I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I'm a big fan of jo- Joan Cusack. She has kind of a bit part, but I liked it. Um, and Melanie Griffith is really great in it. I thought there was a shocking uh, amount of um, lingerie going on in this particular movie, um, but it, I didn't have a problem with that. I'm not saying that, but there's a lot of that going on, but I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I was actually, I'll be honest, I was surprised by the twist that happens three quarters of the way through the movie that probably everybody and their dog already knew, so... Yeah, yeah, I had fun. I never got around to seeing it because uh, I think my parents saw it when they were uh, when they were when I was a kid. So like when it came out, they saw it in the theater. And my mom was I asked my mom how it was and she was like, it's really good, but it's it's not for not for you. <laughs> so I didn't we realize know that there was so you more never, into that. That might be what she's referencing. Yeah. Well, mm. and in particular, and it wasn't until this last time watching it, with Nathan that I think I'd really started thinking about this particular like three second quick flash of Melanie Griffith vacuuming in her heels topless <laughs> but with hose and heels because that's I don't have time to get dressed but I'm going to have my heels on like I don't know I don't even I'm not going to read into it but it's it's you know just uh, Mike Nichols I guess having some fun I mean it kind of reminded me of the scene in American Beauty when Annette Bening's uh, trying to sell the house with the vacuum cleaner I will sell this house today except with a lot less clothes okay yeah that's a that's a business in uh, California at least in Los Angeles hey I'm a realtor that's how it works topless maids that's how it works topless topless, maids topless maids is like a legit thing in Los Angeles there's multiple different companies of that I bet there's a lot of. I mean, the there's family a lot of always stays pay home extra for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna thing. sit here that's while fine. you clean my house. Yeah, and you just be topless. No big Nobody deal. is yeah. scheduling that when they're gone at work. I'm sure. No. <laughs> I might need to ask my cleaning service to up their game. Oh God, I don't think so. <laughs> that's a lawsuit In waiting Kansas? to happen. Alicia, how about you? Uh, so my recommendation, uh, don't think too hard about it. it's just good fun, which is House of Gucci. So yeah. House of Gucci, uh, fictionalized account of the real um, killing of uh, the the heir to Gucci in the 80s. Uh, it's got Adam Driver. It's got Lady Gaga. It's got Jared Leto in kind of an unforgettable performance thing happening uh he just is kind of transformed and funny and lady gaga does a great job it drags a little bit here and there but um and it's a little long but if you're just in it just for the fun and the fashion and the personalities and the decadent lifestyle and a a few espressos then it's a good time okay and to say gucci (laughs) 
Is that just in theaters or did you see it at streaming? The only thing, I think it's just theaters right now. I haven't seen it streaming anywhere. Okay. Yeah, I saw some kind of Gucci thing over the weekend. I think it was on Netflix, but I don't think it's the same thing. Maybe a documentary or something about it? Yeah. Yeah, Netflix yeah. tends to counter-program like that. Like something's coming out in the theater, we got to have something about that. Yeah. I think John Oliver's starting to ruin uh, uh, Adam Driver for me just a little bit. Oh, yeah. He does have a bit of a passion. <laughs> if anybody's familiar with John Oliver. <laughs> what does John Oliver do to Adam Driver? Oh, he's constantly just pulls up a random picture of Adam Driver just to talk sexy, dirty talk to it. Oh, yeah. The show for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. You hunk of, hunk of man. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He has he had him on. You too. know what you did. <laughs> He, he did it for a whole with, season. And he used then to he, do it with uh, Steve Mnuchin whenever he was talking about the Trump administration. Oh, right. Yeah. Because yeah. they look exactly the same. So oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this last season, his pick of uh, person to torment was uh, George Clooney. Oh, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Josh, how about you? Yeah, so um, I watched a musical uh, called Tick, Tick, Boom uh, that's out on Netflix. It's uh, about uh, John Larson, uh, Lawson, sorry. Larson. Larson, okay, yes, who uh, wrote Rent um, and a play called Superbia that apparently never really saw the light of day. It's about him uh, making, uh, trying to get his plays uh, produced or his musicals produced. And uh, some of the frustrations he's having turning 30 and realizing he hasn't done anything with his life uh, or not feeling like he's done anything with his life. Um, It's uh, Andrew Garfield uh, singing his ass off in this movie. And um, it was very entertaining. Um, It's got a lot of little cameos from uh, Broadway people uh, in it. If you know Broadway people, I recognize BB Newworth. I realized I should have recognized more people, but um, I, I don't know Broadway that well to uh, to say. Uh, Bradley Whitford plays Stephen Sondheim, so there's a little mm. bit of uh, wistfulness to it right now. Um, but yeah, uh, it was very entertaining. I would recommend it. Yeah, that's one I definitely want to check out because I'm a huge Rent fan. Um, but I read that uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, landed on Garfield as the lead for Larson uh, and, and went to a friend of his or somebody and was like, can he sing? And the guy was like, of course he can sing. And then Andrew Garfield could not sing and had to <laughs> learn how to sing for this film, which he then does sing tremendously in. So wow. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. True I acting. Think, I, I think he's great. I think it's also one of Stephen Songtime's last I guess appearances. I think his voice is on like, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm excited to. I think his voice is on a voice machine, like a, a answering machine. I can't remember what it's called. How old are we? Okay. So uh, it's, it's not a voicemail. Okay. Yes. I think his voice is on an answer machine or something. And is that correct, guys? I think. Yeah. yeah. I you left him yeah. one of those voicemails. You know, one of those things where you record your voice. Okay. Uh, Josh, our movie this week was your selection. The Friends of Eddie Coyle, which uh, none of us had seen before. Uh, give us just a, a brief, uh, spoiler-free reason for uh, why we were watching this movie. So this movie uh, was recommended to me by a friend for one of my birthday marathons. 
and uh, he knows I like crime movies from the 70s. So uh, this one, uh, if you like engaging movies that require a lot of attention uh, and payoff, uh, and you like crime thrillers from the 70s, uh, I would highly recommend watching The Friends of Eddie Coyle uh, mm-hmm. for that reason. Right on. So let's start with Alicia. What did you think of the Friends of Eddie Coyle? I really liked it. I was actually kind of excited when Josh uh, suggested this movie because I had seen it several times when we were doing some uh, Blu-ray purchases and considered getting it like, hey, Robert Mitchum, hey, this looks good. And then we just never had ended up pulling the trigger on it. So I'd definitely been interested in it. And, uh, and I thought it was really good. I think I, Robert Mitchum is always so good at playing kind of these, uh, laid back characters in some ways where you don't always know what they're thinking. I mean, uh, you know, it's not him in Cape Fear or something like that, uh, where he's a little more over the top on things, but, um, I, I, I kind of like it when he's a little more subtle. I think he's like that in some Westerns and some stuff like that. And, and he's kind of a man of mystery. He's kind of the Marlboro man, you know, and he's just this guy riding on the planes and you don't really know what he's thinking, but he, he's, you know, contemplating and getting things figured out. Um, I thought I, I really enjoyed kind of seeing how it unfolded and seeing how, um, he was playing both sides. Sometimes, you know, you had to really concentrate on the dialogue sometimes because there weren't necessarily a lot of clues happening in the action. So uh, you need to really follow what's happening with the discussions between the criminals and between the, I think it was the FBI um, that he was talking to, that he was kind of an informant for, or, or some police, um, you know, policemen, I guess, that were maybe working yeah. on certain jobs. But, you know, they were using code. A lot of times they would use nicknames and code and things like that. And that's still a a real tradition to this day with any type of organized crime or anything. So, you know, yeah, you got to stay on your toes when they're talking because it'll go right over your head if you don't really get the the code and the, uh, the context of the code. Yeah, for sure. And I really liked um, Peter Boyle. I mean, I always get excited when I see Peter Boyle and stuff because I think he's good at being a great character actor in different things and sometimes he's not utilized enough so yeah i enjoyed it overall and uh and it's very much of that 70s kind of dark looking movies you know like we've kind of talked about before with a lot of those uh from the concentration movie that the lighting is always kind of a certain way and stuff like that which i which i really like i wrote that peter boyle looks like handsome squidward in this movie oh my god (laughs) So. I'd take a drink from that guy. <laughs> See, sometimes I think he looks like the guy, and he's been in some other stuff. This is not flattering for Peter Boyle at all, but the guy who's in Weird Science, you know, the guy in the motorcycle gang? Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's the real tall kind of like cone-shaped yeah, head guy, you know? Yeah, he's a, he's a little remnant. Like they could be, you know, cousins or something. Yeah, right on. I would seen him in anything where he was this young, I think since Young Frankenstein, so... Yeah, uh, yeah I Christine. How about you? Um, so I really enjoyed watching this. Uh, I agree that it's one you really have to pay attention to because the guy selling the machine guns and the cop that was like getting all the information from the informants. At first, I was like, "Wait a minute, are these the same guy?" Because like the only difference in their hair was like one had it like kind of slicked back and the other didn't. And I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> 
So I was like, okay, gotta make sure I can keep these two separated in my brain. Um, and then it was really interesting just to see uh, Peter Boyle's character uh, just keep on coming with, like, even though he was given all those that information anyways, he was still like, oh, Eddie Coyle did me wrong. And, like, he, he really screwed me over, and so I'm going to get him back for all of this, even though he was the one screwing Eddie Coyle over. Um, uh, I told Josh at the end of this movie, I was like, Okay, so Peter Boyle was Coyle's foil. All right. <laughs> I know I was doing a Boyle's Coyle's thing to myself. I know. In my I'm head. Like, it was like, it was too perfect. Boyle was Coyle's foil. Oh, Boyle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my. You know, Christine, I think how you can t- uh, distinguish the two is, as this is what I did, I associated him with actors that I did know. So I think that the guy who was selling the machine guns was um, like a more of a Jermaine Clement. Right, is it Clement? Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Sure. Clement? Yeah. yeah. Jermaine Clement? Yeah. Clement. Clement. Yeah. yeah, that's how you say it. Yeah. And then, where's where's Aaron? We need Aaron. Um, and then uh, <laughs> the other guy, the uh, FBI guy or cop guy or whatever, was uh, Killian Murphy. Okay. And so that's how I was able to keep them ah. apart. <laughs> well, and you know, the guy, the FBI guy, I was like, gosh, I know this guy. How do I know this guy? It was driving me crazy. And it wasn't until I looked it up later on IMDb that... He's. I, I've seen the Hunt for Red October a gazillion times, and we talk about it on the podcast. I'm like, that's the guy from the Hunt for Red October. Okay, I feel yeah. you know you have to like look things like, up like this to settle yeah. yourself. I don't know yeah. what we did before the internet, but yes, yes. it's it was. so funny, like how we associate actors with what other things we've seen them in, right? You know, oh, yeah. like I'm sure we you know, you all do that too, you know, and it's just like. And it's almost like sometimes you do it with your friends or if you're watching someone like with a partner or somebody and you're like, try to, you know, guess it first or like point it out first or whatever. Like it's a competition. Like yeah. you see more movies <laughs> sure. than they have. For sure. We don't ever do that. No, not we don't ever have no, to completely no, rewind no. the movie I, to watch whatever it was. No. And I'll often make the declaration. We've seen him. We've seen him. What has he yeah. been in? We saw him just yeah. last week. What did we yeah. see him in? We'll Josh and I do turning. that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amy and I do that constantly. We're trying to just be like, Oh, that's it. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all we do is watch shows just to we see who we can see who we recognize. <laughs> right. right. Well, and it is does make you feel good if you can name it without looking it up because then yeah. you're like, really. oh, I really gotta get the satisfaction yeah. from this. That's it. Yeah. So I I love this one too. Uh, I've watched so many dang um, film noirs this month, so this just fit right in there. And actually, I really appreciate the fact that I didn't have to watch a yet another film noir, so I could just kind of scratch this one right off my list. Uh, so I've got I'm getting closer to my thirty for the month. Um, but yeah, and I the, Robert Mitchum's kind of like a stay, you know, strong film noir type guy in the first place, but I kind of felt like this one reminded me a lot actually of uh, Atlantic city with, with less uh, um, lemon squeezed boobs. Um, (laughs) But you know, cause it's a similar kind of age range on the the lead guy and showing his chops as a, as a great actor. Um, I think I I probably like this one just a little bit better. Um, The, the dialogue on this is kind of the reason the him and the dialogue is just great. And I, I just have to give a shout out to whatever that guy in the trans am was jamming to. It was (laughs) rocking. Yeah, this yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a movie that was just edited within an inch of its life. Like it just flies for a hundred minutes. 
and if if you miss anything that's happening, you will be completely lost. So I can see where general audiences going into this, like looking for a Robert Mitchum role where you can just watch Robert Mitchum go and do cool stuff are only engaged for the parts that he's in and they're missing half of the movie because everything around him, I mean, it's, it's called the friends of Eddie Coyle for a reason. It's about the friends, right? (laughs) So, he's just the center of this particular story. And when he ends, the movie ends. You know, something I like too, that you don't, you don't often see with this kind of a movie is them showing uh, that one scene in particular where he's talking to his wife and like, there's this whole, like this whole establishment of his home life, his relationship with his wife that they do really well. And in just a basic scene when, you know, he's like, getting breakfast or whatever and about to run out the door and then they're like making out or whatever and she's like stop you know like that whole thing like you don't usually see kind of a more gritty you know like bank robbing gun buying whatever movie and then you've got like a little tickle time with the wife in the morning like you just don't usually see that so that was just kind of funny well usually in a film noir the tickle time with the wife the wife's a lot hotter well that's right That's, that's also I, I really appreciate I mean, refreshing. One of my favorite parts of this movie, though, was just him telling the machine gun guy about his knuckles. Oh that's, yeah, that whole scene was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I, I think, like you know, you talk about in normally in a movie like this, the the wife would have been hotter, and there would have been this like sex scene or thing. I think everybody in the movie is is perfectly cast. Oh yeah, for their part. It it all it all works. Like you come for Robert Mitchum and you stay for all of these great character actors that that do exactly what they need to do to to move the story along. It's, it's not just, quite as stylized, you know. It's a little more realistic in a lot of ways. Yeah, I also like that that uh, it takes place mostly in Massachusetts, but they don't really lay on these heavy Bostonian accents, and they really lay into the you know, the car stuff and all that. It's like, it's just, it's subtle enough. They mentioned that they're in Massachusetts. They got to go to Boston sometimes. The guy was over in New Hampshire when he got busted. You know, like it just, it, it the way it was conceived to me was just like, oh, great. The story is not necessarily in the, the area and the time period. Of course, you know, when you're filming in that, they filmed it for the time period, but um, that it's, it's the people, it's the, it's the behavior of the people and the people around him. And even like the bank robbers, when you go like, that's such a side story, but it's how we start the film was with the the concept of the bank robbers. And you don't even get Eddie for a little while. And yeah. then you're just like, I thought that was so cool and different that we see from almost any other film is that you don't even get the protagonist of the film or really the anti-hero until like almost, you know, five or 10 minutes into the film. And it's just great. Yeah. Um, that was that was really really well done. Yeah, you could you could re-edit anybody's story together in this movie, and it would be a clear story arc that's anywhere from like one to forty minutes long. But they just expertly crafted it so that every scene sets up things that happen in the next scene after it. You 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 couldn't actually rearrange this movie at all. It's like expertly edited makes me wonder if the book is set up that same way um 
because I, yeah, yeah, I didn't realize the first time I watched it that it's based on a novel, but I wonder if these chapters also went into tangents on following the gun runner and following his, you know, everyday activities. I'm sorry. I think I talked over Nathan. I apologize. You were going to say something. No, you didn't. I didn't oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Um, also, the scariest masks I've ever seen for bank robberies. Oh, my gosh. Weren't those so fantastic? <laughs> yes. Well, what I was going to say, I think, uh, was that the uh, the whole bank robbery thing, kind of, especially because there wasn't like any like dialogue over talking about, like they do typically in these movies, like, okay, so you're going to man the, the register. You're going to stand on the cash you know, with the gun, and he's going to get in the vault. It's just like played verbatim, and it kind of reminded me a lot of The Dark Knight, that opening yeah. scene with the, the bank robbery especially with the masks and everything. Yeah, those who would have thought a clear mask would be so first of all to you know how much it changes how they look and then they all look cuz from a distance you really can't tell they have masks so they look like they're just a bunch of clones of the same person running around and yeah, it's, it's so effective. Beyond beyond how scary they are, it's so effective as a storytelling mechanism because we make all the bad guys look identical at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And then we find out who they are, and then we can move on to Robert Mitchum and his introduction, which is the extra set of knuckles scene, which is it is just a perfect introduction to him. And then we know everything we need to know to follow the rest of the story. Let me tell you, one of the favorite moments was him shoving those guns into that grocery bag in broad daylight. I was like, that is the, the time period for you where it's just like you can even just talking about all this gun stuff where you're just like easily getting away with just moving guns around. I'm going to shove some guns into your grocery put, bag and put, put some, some bread on top. Everybody <laughs> needs a little more bread. Yeah, I was like, this is great. Oh, that was just the, like the, the moments, the setups were so enjoyable in every capacity of every scene that you see with all of these crooks and cops and everything i was like that's awesome well and i know like when i was watching the movie and there was a character jackie brown i was like hmm, like thinking about like the tarantino movie because that's one of my favorite tarantino movies and then you know thinking about it more later and then reading up a little online like you mentioned the shopping bag like the shopping bags are important in in the plot of what's moving around in jackie brown too and here you have that shopping bag and then you have the one at the beginning with the guns that they put in the trunk where they got the key hidden behind the license plate and everything and everybody just came around shopping bags full of guns basically the whole movie and i don't know if you knew this but jackie brown got its name from this movie because quentin tarantino loves this movie I can see that. Yeah. Nice. Well, so do we, it sounds like. Uh, thanks for the <laughs> suggestion, Josh. Uh, it is Zach's turn to suggest a movie. Zach, what would you like for us to watch next? Yeah, my pick is the 1993 film Falling Down, starring Michael Douglas. Uh, the synopsis from IMDb is an ordinary man frustrated with the various flaws he sees in society begins to psychotically and violently lash out against them. I have seen that one before and it is fantastic. So I'm looking forward to that. Thanks everybody for the discussion on the friends of Eddie Coyle. And we'll see you next time on the deeply discussing movie podcast. We're all friends of Eddie Coyle. Aren't we in some way? I know, really. I hope not. That doesn't speak well for us.